0: Hello world, this is Alison Pipitone. In this podcast, we talk about music and those of us who do it for a song. Welcome to The Great Unsung. When you are the great unsung. For this episode, I spoke with my friend Rishon Odell-Northington. He is a musician's musician. He is so talented at playing the bass that I can't even explain to you. If you ever get the opportunity to go and hear him play live with any of the number of amazing people that he plays with, I would encourage you to do so. I'm going to start this off a little bit differently than what I normally do. I'm going to play a song that he played the bass on. It's a song I wrote. A long time ago. It's called Jacob's medley. And recently, Liz Maltese uh, recreated the song. We got Odell and David Teaspoon Hewlett and Walter Kemp and Graham Howes to do sort of a jazz ish version of the song. So I want to play it for you. And we're going to start with that. And this bass playing speaks for itself, actually. And then I look forward to you hearing everything we talked about, because every time I talk to Odell, um, I feel inspired to continue this path of music. So sit back, relax, and here comes Rishan Odell. I was walking you
1: Cause you took it all in, and you took it so hard. And it was summer in the evening, in the beginning of a life with breezes breezing. Yeah, all right, all right. We said the trees are resting, the birds are nesting, and napping up there. Is a heavy lidded moon. Sky is winking, stars are blinking. Your wagon's sleeping, and little boys should be sleeping too. I set out to find the good, gather up the secrets and set them in your hood. So you could walk with everything. I went to Martin King and the Dalai Lama. I put it to Solomon. I asked Bahama to talk to Honest Day and the cut Mr. Joe Campbell and Bix Butterbeck to. The art of happiness The art of happiness The art of happiness Is living and you do Then they say Cry boy when you're sad So hard and it was summer in the evening, the beginning of a life with the breezes, breezing. Yeah, all right, all right.
0: Deshaun Odell, my friend. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me tonight.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) You're
0: in uh, Nashville, Tennessee.
2: Nashville. Nashville.
0: Which is the first thing I want to talk to you about. Like, so how are you? I I really miss you. Um, This podcast, like, I get to see your face and the unfortunate people (laughs) of, America and the world don't get to see your face, but I'm so happy to see your face
2: <laughs> likewise
0: <laughs> how are you
2: man I am well i'm 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 better than most i wish I will say that like uh-huh. uh, I uh, have a lot of things just to keep me occupied and you know books, music
0: yep how was the trip down to Nashville? How'd you get there? what happened?
2: um so I flew I flew down uh this morning. Flew down this morning and it was, uh, it was great. Um, I, you know, this was like one of those times that I didn't, didn't actually need all of my, uh, my perks, (laughs) like my, 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 uh, TSA pre check and all of that kind of stuff and global and all of that. Yeah, I mean, I was, was literally there
0: a, was there a red carpet rolled out when you got to the airport? Oh, no, red like,
2: carpet like <laughs> thirty. You know, it was like thirty people on the plane uh, on, on the on the first plane, and then the second plane it was like seven.
0: Okay, does that feel good or does that feel? Do you get like do you like do you feel like this is so unusual or do you feel like oh man this feels so good? What
2: does, uh, it's it's pretty creepy. It's pretty creepy. I'm yeah. so used to, you know, I'll be honest. I'm used to having a full plane. I show up whenever I want to, and I sit up in the front. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, for the most part.
0: Did you just say that you have flown first class before? Oh, yeah. <gasps> oh yeah. Okay. Time out. <laughs> can we talk about that? Because that's sort of on my bucket list, even though I feel like I would feel kind of guilty. But like, can you just tell me, is it everything is cracked up to be?
2: Uh, Listen, it is. Uh, It's, <laughs> it's so empowering, it's, especially when, you know, I mean, it's everything that we work for, like as a musician. Like, it, it's, it's just one of those life perks that it is something that makes makes you feel good like because uh,
0: are the seats that much more spacious
2: um for the most part yes so you yes. can put
0: your legs out you can yeah. like uh-huh. you maybe have your own armrests
2: on your own you get two armrests huge you get armrests unlimited like unlimited, unlimited- Packs of peanuts and, yeah, oh, unlimited and- packs of peanuts. You get food when everybody else, you, you get food when everybody else is getting like peanuts and stuff like that. Dude,
0: that's awesome. Um, what's the longest trip you took, first class? Like from where oh, to where?
2: My goodness. A lot of the older overseas trips are pretty much first class.
0: What is it like playing for U.S. crowds versus? overseas crowds and 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 i'm sure there's distinctions maybe asia africa oh my god yes so can you sort of give me what i know is a generalization tell me about what's the experience like in different parts of the world
2: uh i just have to say that our music is so much better received over everywhere else like it's i mean it's a sad fact but it is. It, now, every other country, uh, they will pay for the music except for, you know, the, you know, when you start getting into London, they're like, eh, you know, mm-hmm. we want the music, but we don't want to bring the entire band. Okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so and then they're like, yeah, well, you know. We want to skimp a little bit, but they love the music. Like the Mm -hmm. crowds are really, really receptive. Uh, European crowds, they really like to listen to the music, Um, especially, you know, the jazz stuff. Like now when you're playing pop, it's totally different. They're like super crazy. They I mean they are all about it. Like soup like party, 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 but then when the party's over, they're like, oh, split.
0: Well, sort <laughs> of like I mean, at least they were there in the first place, right? As, yeah. as opposed yeah. to America, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um,
2: now, America, you know, it's a totally different ball game. Sometimes it's it's hit or miss.
0: Yeah, have you ever like thought about why is that? Like what is behind that? What is what does it say about our culture in America that we have in my mind, devalued live music. Is what we do becoming obsolete?
2: Um, I don't think it's becoming obsolete. I think um, I think there's just a new... Okay, back when, you know, you were in school, we were all in school. Um, there was always, like, they were the cool kids, the jocks, you know, everybody, you know, you had that. So the different
0: clicks, yeah, yeah, yeah. The cl-
2: different clicks. And then you had the musicians, they just kind of stuck over here. And uh, I think now in society, we have the nerds in charge.
0: Oh, okay, I'm with you.
2: Yeah, yeah. So now we have. Literally have the nerds in charge and the nerds are like, well, we don't do any of that. We deal with computers. We deal with tech. We deal with, you know, large amounts of cash because of while you guys were <laughs> honing your craft and doing this and making mm-hmm. fun of us and stuff like that. Now, guess what? We rule the world. <laughs> so.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you 100% on that. And it's yeah. an interesting way to look at it because I think I'm older than you, but I, I feel like you probably saw sort of the same trends and changes that I've seen. Like, um, you know, like just talk about the concept of a CD, right? Or talk about the concept right. of making an album
1: mm-hmm. on
0: purpose and the sort of sequencing of songs was an important thing, right? Of how mm-hmm. we put the songs together. I know you're a composer. And mm-hmm. so how you sort of every the whole way we have to think about everything has changed do you right. agree with that
2: oh completely completely because uh i watched an interview with uh with drake like a few weeks back and he he himself literally said that he no longer goes into the studio or can go to, to the studio and make songs of substance everything is just a Hmm. is no more than a chant.
0: Do you think that that pendulum swinging from where guitars don't exist in the top 40 charts, uh real music real instruments are not in the top 40, really, is that going to come back and people are going to appreciate real instruments?
2: I think we're going to have to get super creative with everything that's going on. Um I mean <laughs> We're going we're gonna to have to hone, everybody's going to have to hone their uh, nerd craft, you know.
0: I really want to talk a little bit about your bass playing. I just think you are the most amazing bass player that I have ever Aww. heard and seen. And I'm not <laughs> kidding you. And I, whenever I get the opportunity to hear you play in any band you're playing with, I can't not watch you and listen to what you're doing. And I just just think the value of the bass in a band is just, oh my God, what an instrument. I don't even know where it came from, but I'm telling you that bridge between the drums and the melody and like the purpose it holds. I mean, do you love playing the bass?
2: Oh, I do. I do.
0: (laughs) How, I know you started playing, according to you, at a relatively late later age, of, I don't know what age that was. I, I don't know what age was. I was that? like
2: about to get out of high school. I <laughs> was
0: I was eighteen when I first started playing oh, guitar. Oh well, yeah,
2: yeah, about well, the same.
0: Thing. So you, but when you first started, did you start with a bass or did you start with guitar or what?
2: No, I was. Uh, I had done violin uh, and drums, drums. Uh, so you know, marrying. The two. There
0: they are, the two, the drums yeah. and the violin. There's your yeah. marriage. They produce baby bass, right? <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I, I just naturally, I just went over into once. I think uh, I couldn't play sports any longer. So how come uh, I got hurt and I had like several scholarships and I couldn't take any of them.
0: <laughs> so you're what? What are you, junior or senior in high school? Junior. Junior in high school, you played what sport?
2: Uh I played them all.
0: <laughs> really? I
2: lettered and everything.
0: Are you serious? Yeah. So what did you Except get? Except for baseball.
2: I got kicked out of baseball because I what did you do? Uh, <laughs> I kept throwing <laughs> the bat. Oh
0: but, well,
2: but now but now that's become a
0: thing. So it's when you crazy. got when you struck out, you would throw the bat because you were angry?
2: No, no. I would I would swing and throw.
0: Oh, I would,
1: like
2: so when I'm running, yeah. So when I hit the ball. I would just throw the bat because.
0: Have you ever done that with your base? No. Okay. <laughs> I've Dropped
2: it. I've dropped it, but. Yeah. <laughs> no.
0: Okay, so there you are. You're you lettered in all these sports except baseball, and you get scholarships. And what happens? What do you you get hurt? How?
2: Of, uh, I broke my ankles. I had uh, I had Oscar Schlotter's in my knees, uh, so all the cartilage was just like. Eaten up.
0: at such a young age.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So were you devastated at that point?
2: Oh, I was, but then I went home and I was like, well, I got to figure out something to do. Uh, so probably like, I don't know. It was, it, 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 almost happened almost instantaneously. Um, I literally went home, snuck into my dad's studio, picked up his bass uh well I, I picked up his bass and then after that I just started sneaking in there every every day.
0: <laughs> do you do you think you had were you automatically good would you say like to, at a certain level?
2: Uh so between the first time I picked it up and one year later I was on my first professional gig.
0: There had to be some osmosis in there So right? it had
2: happen- it like like when it, literally when I picked it up like I was like oh my god this is it.
0: Oh, that's, I love that. And so, has your passion for that for music has that sustained you throughout your life since then? I'm talking emotionally and spiritually. I'm not talking financially.
2: Um, for the most part, like like every other musician, you know, I've I've gotten frustrated, and I'm like, ah, man, what is this doing? And you know, uh. You, you don't really understand everything that's going on, but I—I uh, I think it was for the most part when I tried to listen to everybody else, as far as oh, get a real job, da-da-da-da-da. you know, uh, because you know when you're young, you don't realize, you know, everybody's telling you to do something, and you know, you feel that big gig coming around, and um, you're gonna get your break, whatever that may be, but. I was always paying attention to business, which a lot of musicians don't. And uh, that was one of the things that helped sustain me. I I honestly could have been a lot further ahead than I am now, but for two things, um, you know, just when you you learn the business and sometimes you just got to listen to your heart. Like you can't listen to naysayers.
0: I think uh, so many things you said in there are so they resonate with me so much because um, for a ton of different reasons. Like the one thing that surprises me is you would doubt yourself. Like, what am I doing? Because I look at you and I'm like, that's like something I would aim for is like, but it's so I guess perception is different, different from reality. I think we both know that it is a rickety bridge we walk on with music right oh of course you know
2: of course it's like a love-hate relationship
0: (laughs) it is and I'm I'm actually surprised that that you say that I mean I'm not but I'm I am because I couldn't imagine someone honestly I have to say as good as you would ever doubt your path all right (laughs) and but it's sort of refreshing to hear that you do I think we all do because I think so many unknowns and so many guessing and second guessing like you are you a confident person?
2: Oh, very. Mm-hmm.
0: That comes across. So I wanted to see if sometimes <laughs> sometimes people say to me, "Oh my gosh, you're so blank." And I'm like, "No, I'm not." So like I wanted to you come across as very confident and actually optimistic.
2: Yes, very very optimistic.
0: Uh-huh. So that I'm both of those things have absolutely helped you in your career. Yes. Are you happy about going down this path of music?
2: Um, I am. I mean, you know, there's always that nerd side of me because, uh, you know, I like books. I was I, I went to school for pre-law, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, just I, I, I like I have a whole I like to use both sides of my brain. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and actually that's probably good for both sides of your brain. And those two things actually do go together, right? The intellectual – your intellectual side can absolutely coexist with your creative side. Right. It's good for both, right?
2: Yeah, because you need – I think what most people are lacking is balance. Like whatever that balance is, you know, because like I noticed that when I had – gotten further, further into the classical music culture. Um, everything was about, you know, we're sitting, I actually, I'll tell you this, I went to a party, and everybody was talking, and literally all the all of the conversation was like, everything that you talk about in school, like in the classes, and you know, we're talking about, you know, technical stuff, breaking down the 56th measure of Mozart's, you know, or Beethoven's ninth, you know, it's like, you know, it's crazy. And I was just like, we're drinking and we're talking about super heady stuff. And I was just like, I don't want to be like that.
0: The question I've written down is, are you single-minded about music? (laughs) And the answer is no, right? right?
2: Yeah. It's it's got (laughs) to be a balance, like in life period. Like you have to have, and I think a lot of musicians... They get so far into the music that they have no people skills. You have to have people skills. Like that's the only way you'll work in this business.
0: My theory is or was, like I, I honestly am telling you, I thought a person could get as good as you only if that's the only thing they do. And I'm I swear to you, <laughs> I swear to you, that's what I was thinking. Please talk about how you approach becoming so well versed at your instruments.
2: Um well I think when I decided to play bass immediately and and I think any music uh when I decided to play bass I literally went to every jam session like I wanted to play bass I didn't just say I want to play you know rock or I want to play you know blues or I want to play gospel or I want to play jazz or you know classical I literally w- put myself into like if somebody was having something and they were playing music, I was there.
0: And how did you, did you ever have anxiety about that? About like, oh my gosh, I hope I know what I'm doing. Or did that not even cross your mind?
2: Um, When you're younger, you tend not to have as much anxiety. So it's just like, Man, I want to play. I want to play. Mm-hmm. I want to play. So, um, but you know, like, but then, you know, you do get on stage and it's like, oh man, do I, do I you know, am I going to cut it? Nah, nah, nah. I don't even know if I know the songs. Nah, nah. And you think about all, the, I mean, I think about all the craziest stuff, like any other musician, like mm-hmm. just a babe musician. But I, um, I you know, you just play past it. You and play
0: past it. Okay. Yeah, you play
2: past it. Because the thing is, if you're at a jam session, you're not getting paid. You're there to learn. So, what's the worst that can happen?
0: Oh my God, I love that. So you automatically just took the pressure off yourself.
2: That's it. That's it. It's only once you start accepting pay for. Well, hey, I need to get compensated for this. Okay, well now you better <laughs> you better show your professionalism.
0: And that's where your Western New York blue collar work ethic comes in. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Interesting. I, I'm wondering in the context of can you reflect on your life as a musician who travels the world? I want to ask you about stressors. I want to ask you about tips for good health.
2: Okay. Um as far as stress um as far as stressing, I think uh, you know, we all have pressure. Like especially like when it's a big gig and um okay uh it a lot of it depends on who your crew is who you're playing with uh if everybody around you is pretty chill then naturally you'll be pretty chill too but if the pressure is on you and like you're the new guy in the band and everybody's watching like um you know you get the call for justin bieber to fill in
0: did you get that call
2: uh not justin bieber I, I actually got the call of Justin Timberlake.
0: Oh, my. Uh, wait. <laughs> you did?
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Justin Timberlake, um, Usher.
0: Um, when you do get the call and you do get on the gig, do you just just go, okay, I'm on the roller coaster now. Let me go. Or what do you do?
2: Um. Well, I mean, there's a process uh, of, you know, the, sometimes you have you know, it depends on where you're coming in. If you're coming in just as a fill-in, like, you know, they're literally going to send you a show and say, hey, learn this show. And, you know, so they'll send you, I mean, sometimes you get charts. Sometimes you have to make your own charts. Sometimes, yeah. So you just have to listen acutely. And because sometimes you don't even get a chance to rehearse with the band. Sometimes you show up, and sound check is rehearsal.
0: Has that ever happened to you before?
2: Oh yeah, a ton of times. Like all the time. Like I get I get calls last minute all the time.
0: Like do you have a good ear? Like do you have a do you have a good pitch in your ear? Like can you hear things?
2: I have a great ear, but it, it comes with a lot of you know, you spend a lot of time on your instrument and you kind of know what you can play, you know where your intervals are. Um, the more you play your instrument and the more you become like one with your instrument, you know, the better it'll be for you because, okay, essentially Mm -hmm. if you play, like when you're practicing, a lot of people don't, don't sing when they're, but, uh, sing when they're playing. But if you can sing, uh, one thing my dad told me, he was like, if you can hum it, you can play it. So I tried doing that. And literally, um, if you do that enough, if you do that enough, like, yeah trust me it'll it'll just you just start playing and it's already under your fingers
0: so can you tell me a little bit about your dad obviously he had a studio music tell me about his what what's his what genre did he play in with what message or what lessons did he teach you all that
2: okay um yeah my dad played bass but he also he played actually he played every instrument <laughs> so of uh, but that was his thing that wasn't, you know, um, when I started hanging around with, hanging around with him, uh, I was playing drums at that time. Okay. So, you know, I would just, you know, we'd hang out, um, quite a bit, but, um, I just, I learned more, more by watching, not really him interjecting or saying anything. Um, uh-huh. but once I started playing and he realized I could play, uh, you know, he would walk by and. Give me a couple of pointers. Say, oh, that's hey. amazing. Yeah. So
0: he like that. And that's he gave you the room to grow on your own and be, find your own sort of space. But he mentored you like it guided you as you went. Right. He wasn't yeah. like, oh, you got to You have to do this. He was not like that. Right.
2: Yeah. Well, he was. But he was because he was a player. So he was super hard on me. So <laughs> and
1: he was just like, <laughs>
2: I was like. I, w- I remember one time I was in t- uh Toronto playing with like uh like a well-known gospel artist um from Detroit. And you know, it was like I mean, it was like what 26,000 people. Hmm. And you know, I, I, I said, say, hey, you know, I'm going to be in Toronto, you know, um, I'm I'm going to get you and mom tickets so he comes to the show. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so I bring him
1: backstage
2: <laughs> to <laughs> meet everybody and everything and I was like so I get off stage and I was like, so what'd you think? He was like, yeah, well, you still, you got to work on your technique.
0: <laughs> Did he say that in front of people? Oh Or yeah. just you? Yeah. Everybody?
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. My mom uh, and him and my mom and maybe like, a couple. <laughs> but he was just like, I was like, wow, this guy, man.
0: <laughs> that's, tough, that's, that's tough. That's hardcore. Like. That's his own way of saying, I love you, and you're the best bass player I've ever heard, and I'm so proud of you. You've got to work on your technique.
2: Yeah, but he got, uh, he got, he got, uh, it was, it worked out later, like, finally, he was just like, okay, now you're doing it. Now you're doing it.
0: At this point in the podcast, we actually did take a little break. And so I am going to take the opportunity to play for you a song that... Rishan wrote, arranged, produced. It's called Hot Steps featuring Ryan Kilgore. So let's enjoy the song, then we'll get back to our conversation. hi (laughs) all right now are you did you expect this would be so long and i'm sorry you're probably oh no you're probably so tired are you why are you in nashville what are you doing in nashville
2: um i'm actually just i'm picking up some uh some, some equipment i'm moving my sister
0: is your sister moving to nashville or is she coming home to buffalo she's
2: coming home she's coming home okay
0: and when you said you're moving I got a little scared cuz I was like oh no you're not moving are you you're
2: No. All right. No. Okay,
0: keep going. No. So you're <laughs>
2: And then um uh, and then we're doing some recording tonight. Get
0: like there. do you know what you're doing? I have no clue. OMG, I love that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, um so how that, how that works is you know how that works is basically, you know, I have so many connections. So if if I'm like hey I'm gonna be in town, you know. Oh, hey, uh, we got a session going on that day. Can you, uh, can you do the session? And I'm like, sure.
0: All right. That's- um, I think I'd like you to follow up tomorrow and tell us how your session went. Okay, so you're gonna to have to okay. text me or email me, and I let the I let the good people know. <laughs> Give us a tip for staying healthy um, when you're on the road.
2: Okay, staying healthy on the road. Uh, it's very important to. <sighs> to eat hydrate definitely those two like if nothing else like you have to eat and hydrate um and for all of the rockers and everybody who's into you know uh, um, everything that's available to you like you definitely have to drink responsibly like you you know you can't go out like to every city and have a party every every city can't be can't have a party like you know typically when you're younger like you all you know everybody's like oh yeah you know you know but when you tour extensively that's not a good idea it's not gonna work it's not gonna work something is gonna lack or you're gonna get sick or anything but you you have to think about the uh you have to think about the business right and you know if you know, I mean, you know, if you go out, you know, you have one or two, you know, and just say, hey, OK, I'm going to call it a night because, mm-hmm. you know, I've got lobby call at 3 a.m. Or, if, you know, even if you get a later one, you know, uh, those lobby calls, they come pretty fast. Like, I, I can't tell you how many times, you know, we get to a city and we get this live, we get these lavish rooms and then <laughs> you probably spend a total of three hours in the room or maybe sometimes less. Maybe you get a chance to shower change and then it's back to the venue.
0: And the problem is every time you play somewhere, so many people are so excited and they want to celebrate the fact that they had this concert or this event, or they're so excited about Mm -hmm. for, for them, it feels like new year's Eve every night. And it can't feel like that for you. Right.
2: Right. Exactly. So you have to, because, you know, every, you know, when you have like promoters and stuff like that, you know, they typically have like parties and stuff set up for you. And, you know, then they have VIP people, persons, (laughs) they want to, they want to meet you and greet you and stuff like that. Um, I mean, there's a lot that goes on in the industry and you definitely have to, take care of yourself.
0: Yeah, I get that. Like for me, I'm an anxious person and I know like I'm actually more of an introvert. And so if I go to a party or something, I have to have a beer or a drink to feel right comfortable being there. But you have to be so careful of that. Right. Because if you're, right. because if you have to travel, you know, 500 miles the next day and you like it, it adds up to not be a healthy thing for you. Right.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, Yeah, I mean, I've seen some, (laughs) I've seen people get left in a city, uh, have to make it to the next city, or they just get replaced, you know, because, you know, every artist is not going to take that, especially if you are just filling in, or sometimes, sometimes you haven't made it into the camp, you're just, you know, you're just there for a minute.
1: Um, yeah,
0: I know. I looked at some. Now I got some of the a lot of information from you from two places. Uh, Liquid magazine. You were on the cover in two thousand oh, yeah. and eight. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's a great interview by Dee Dee Smith and Doug Sims. I really enjoyed reading that interview. Great cover. You look fantastic.
1: Oh thank you. I got,
0: <laughs> I got information from there, and also I looked up a uh, Hawaii Smooth Jazz Connection. Uh, there was a oh, online yeah. YouTube interview which is also amazing talks a lot about your history of learning music and all that stuff and that's when you went to uh hawaii and you played with brian culbertson right yes and yes he's a he's a jazz guy right
2: yeah he's like smooth jazz funk uh r&b like right obviously oh yeah super famous super famous he's like uh basically Uh, Earth Wind and Fire. If if Earth Wind and Fire were a jazz band,
0: (laughs) like in my in my mind, if someone asked you to come and play in Hawaii, you've made it. You know?
1: Would you agree with that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And what's Hawaii? Do you? I've never been to Hawaii. Like, do you love it?
2: Oh my god! Oh, I love it! I love it! I I, listen. I that's one of those places you just gotta. I mean, you you know, I, I. I will say, I'm really, really blessed to have my job. Like, I have seen the world. Uh-huh. Um, I've been in some places where, you know, I know that I know music brought me there. Yes. Like, and I've, I've hobnobbed with people that, you know, I'm like, yeah, definitely. It's about the music.
0: Dude, <laughs> so what a what a gift that has been, though, for you. What a blessing and a gift to be able to. Have that music take you places all over the world, right? Mm-hmm. You said you played in Africa. Yes. How was that?
2: Oh, many times, many times, many
0: times. Is it like? Is it like cities? Like, do you go? Do you play in cities and arenas, or like, what is it like?
2: Listen, i me to tell you something. <laughs> what you see on TV is nothing like what it is like Africa is so far ahead of the rest of the world. Like, uh, the, the only thing about Africa is a lot of Africa, Africa is big cause it's a continent. So, um, a lot of Africa has been, um, taken over, uh, by, you know, just everybody. So, the Africans don't actually own any of the resources.
0: This is a big topic, and I know you like sociology, right? I know you like to read books about sociology. What is it like when you play? You know, what kind of what bands did you play? Was was it a jazz band? Was it what band did you tour with? Or play with when you were in Africa?
2: Um, every time I've gone to Africa, it's always been jazz or smooth jazz. Um, and then, you know, once you get over there, you know, hopefully you're lucky enough to play with some other people. Really? Um, so, oh man, listen, when I tell you the musicians over there, oh my God, amazing. The reason why they like us is because, uh, You know, Americans have that thing, but they have that thing, Mm -hmm. you know, the reason why they like us is because we have opportunity, you know, and that's, that's really what it is. Everybody loves America because of the opportunity. Right.
0: And that's such an interesting point, too, because is it real or is it uh, imaginary? I think, uh. We could start to wrap it up, I guess. But one more thing I wanted to talk about is your – I know you love to read. I love to read. (laughs) And in one of your interviews, you said one of your favorite books is Hope on a Tightrope by Cornel West, right? Yes. One quote I saw in this book, Hope on a Tightrope, uh, and trust me, it's going to lead back to music. Cornel West has this quote, which struck me as so profound. It's like, the Union won the war white supremacy won the peace. Okay. Wow. So, and I'm, and I think that's so valid for everything that this country that we're struggling with right now, that racial equality, this, this transformative time when the public perception, I think, and I hope is starting to shift and it's a long story. We could talk about it another day, but, but that quote to me, it says white supremacy won the peace. And what I associate that with is the silence of people who know better but don't do better. Okay? Right. Mm-hmm. And so that led me to this concept of silence is just as important as sound. If you say something, that's important. If you don't say something, that's equally important. And that led right. me back to music, which is in music, the silence is as important as the sound.
2: Oh my god, it is! It is.
0: And as a bass player, you know that more than anybody, right?
2: Right. Can you? Yeah, because
0: can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah. Uh, trust me, I. Uh, in like when you grow in music, and especially if you get a chance to hang around with like the older guys, um. A lot of times, it's not the notes that being played. Like I've, I've, I think it was Najee when I was playing with, uh, touring with him. He said, "It's not about how many notes." He said because the pace still stays the same. Like now, and he can play, 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 and play a bazillion notes, but you know, he was just saying to the band, you know, you know the notes. I mean you know it's not about the notes like you just have to uh you know relax, pace yourself and play what's necessary
1: mm-hmm.
2: play what's meaningful um and i think uh I will say that uh when I was playing gospel or playing in the church, it helps you to play to the people
0: how how so how how do, how do you figure?
2: Um, because it's such an emotional music and then it's always like follow the leader type of thing. It's Mm -hmm. all a lot of call and response. Um, so you learn how to, uh, you learn a lot of technique playing in church Mm -hmm. or gospel. Um, and I will say, you know, Because church, playing church and playing gospel are two different things. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because you can be a church player, but not be a gospel player.
1: Hmm.
2: Gospel players are, you know, for the most part, more professional, um, uh, you know, a little bit more precise. Church players are great players, uh, but they don't actually... Yeah, they don't know a lot of technique. So
0: I'm gonna compare gospel players. Mm, let's see. Since you're in uh, Nashville, gospel players, mm-hmm. Nashville studio musicians,
1: mm-hmm. church
0: players, punk rock.
2: Nice. Okay. Okay. Can you is that? So,
0: can we say that?
2: Oh, we can say that. We can say that. Okay. So. Yeah, I uh yeah, I mean every genre has its has its do's and don'ts. And a lot of people don't realize because a lot of people dive into punk rock and say, Oh man, you know da, 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 da. I'm like, Whoa, whoa, it's more than that. Like if you actually listen, these guys are they're they're resting there, you know, because it's not just da da, 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 da you know, mm-hmm. like they have a lot of syncopation they have a lot of uh you have to really get into it like but and when you're playing punk rock you actually have to listen to the uh the vocal and play around the vocal you know so um or or or, or either the vocalist is going to sing around the music that was created already mm-hmm. so it's never going to be like it's on top ever And I think
1: Mm -hmm.
2: when people, you know, you might have a gospel musician to listen to punk rock and assume that, you know, play on top of it because it sounds like this, like, and it's not that. And you might have a punk rock musician listen to gospel and it's like, oh, man, that's a lot. You're playing a lot. But essentially, it's not like you guys are playing about just about the same much.
0: (laughs) Totally get that. I love that. I hear you. And you are adept at playing in the whole spectrum of genres, I think. Is there one thing that would be your home place? Would you would you could you say there's one genre that you feel most at home?
2: Um I'm a music lover. <laughs> yeah, I just I'm a music lover. Um I actually I, I can say that, you know, I was one of Nick Veltry's boys. Uh-huh. Like I came up, it was like me, Nick <laughs> Hayes, you know, we were all out at the tap room yeah. and stuff like that. So, you know, it all kind of, kind of goes back to the blues, yeah. but, you know, so you branch out from there and just just kind of feel it out,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, but I was able to, uh, my dad had so many albums like he literally on one, like I went with like one side of the albums. I had, it was ACDC, uh, Megadeth, Stevie Wonder, Rick James, uh, uh, Natalie Cole. Um, and then my grandmother, <laughs> she was playing, she was, uh, she played piano, saxophone. Um, so she was listening to uh, Liberace. Mm-hmm. And so that's you where, know, what
0: I see that's where you got your um, show clothes from. Their grandmother's. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have one more question for you, and that's: Will you agree to come back on my podcast another time in the future? Yes. Yes. Rishon Odell, I know you have to go in the studio tonight. I can't thank believe it, so but awesome. you do. And, I- <laughs> and guess what? That's where our recording stopped. <laughs> we got kicked off of the uh, app that I was recording him on. So um, I'm going to just wrap this up right now. I want to say thank you to Rishon Odell. Please check him out on social media. It's R-I-S-H-O-N-O-D-E-L. Amazing musician great guy, great fun to talk to. I want to thank you, Rishan, for being on this episode. And for anyone listening, please feel free to email us questions, comments, uh, thegreatunsung at gmail.com. And until next time, this is Alison Pipitone saying thank you for listening to The Great Unsung.